December 17th. And now as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today will be from the book of Revelation, chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. We'll read about the incense at the altar. The silence in heaven is the lull before the storm. Even the heavenly hosts stop their worship as they contemplate the awesome judgments about to fall. But those judgments are the answer to the saints' prayers, Thy kingdom come. Do not stop praying. We'll read about fire from the altar. The world will not come to the altar for forgiveness, so the altar sends forth judgment. Heaven and earth are struck as the trumpets sound, and the bottomless pit belches out demonic creatures to torment mankind. But rather than repent, people will try to commit suicide, but they will not be able to die. They will continue in their sins, occult practices, murder, immorality, and thievery, all of which sound very contemporary, doesn't it? And then there is the voice from the altar. God has His legions ready to be released at the right time, and torment will be replaced by death. Men have wanted to die, so God will send His servants to do the job. One-third of all mankind will be killed, which means that half of the world's population is now dead. The world must make a choice, life or death. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. December 17th, Revelation chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence throughout heaven for about half an hour. And I, John, saw the seven angels who stand before God, and they were given seven trumpets. Then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar, and a great quantity of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people, to be offered on the gold altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense, mixed with the prayers of the saints, ascended up to God from the altar, where the angel had poured them out. Then the angel filled the incense burner with fire from the altar, and threw it down upon the earth, and thunder crashed, lightning flashed, and there was a terrible earthquake. Then the seven angels with the seven trumpets prepared to blow their mighty blasts. The first angel blew his trumpet, and hail and fire, mixed with blood, were thrown down upon the earth, and one-third of the earth was set on fire. One-third of the trees were burned, and all the grass was burned. Then the second angel blew his trumpet, and a great mountain of fire was thrown into the sea, and one-third of the water in the sea became blood, and one-third of all things living in the sea died, and one-third of all the ships on the sea were destroyed. Then the third angel blew his trumpet, and a great flaming star fell out of the sky, burning like a torch. It fell upon one-third of the rivers, and on the springs of water. The name of the star was Bitterness. It made one-third of the water bitter, and many people died because the water was so bitter. Then the fourth angel blew his trumpet, and one-third of the sun was struck, and one-third of the moon, and one-third of the stars, and they became dark. And one-third of the day was dark, and one-third of the night also. Then I looked up, 
and I heard a single eagle crying loudly as it flew through the air. Terror! 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 To all who belong to this world, because of what will happen when the last three angels blow their trumpets. Psalm 136, verses 1 through 26. Two choirs sang this psalm. One choir sang the first line of each verse, and the other choir answered, For His mercy endures forever. This was not vain repetition, for the second choir was offering inspired praise to the Lord. You can never say too much about the mercy of God. God reveals His mercy by giving you a wonderful creation to use and to enjoy. Just think, He had everything ready for our first parents when He made them. It is too bad that many people are such poor stewards of God's creation gifts. Never take for granted the wonderful world you live in. He reveals His mercy in His care for you, helping you fight your battles and defeat your enemies. Israel was not always faithful to God, but that is where His mercy comes in. He was faithful to them. The God of heaven is caring for you on earth, because His mercy endures forever. And here at the very end of the end of all of the sermons, at the very end of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses gets to the most crucial things he could possibly tell anyone. Here he gives us the solution to what could be called the ultimate human problem. And basically the book of Deuteronomy is God's blueprint for how he wants human beings to live. And it's a marvelous blueprint. It's a vision of a life of integrity and joyful unselfishness. We know what is right to do. We can't do it. That's the ultimate problem of the human race. That's the biggest problem. We know what to do. We're powerless to do it. What's the solution? Look at this. It's amazing. This is a gift of God. This is not something you can do. It's something that God does. Verse 6. In spite of being banished... In spite of all the curses, in spite of the fact that you've, you know, you know, you've blown it, verse 6, the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts. And the heart controls not just the emotions, but also the thoughts and the actions. Why? Because in the Bible, the heart is the seat of your most fundamental commitments. The things that you most hope in, you most believe in, you most look to, and you most live for. The things that you look at and say, if I had that, that, then I would be happy, then I would have meaning, then I would have value. Whatever those things are that you look at like that, that determines everything. The heart is the place where you decide what most turns your crank What's most exciting, what most captures your imagination, what you most love, what you most find beautiful and attractive, and whatever those things are, that affects everything else. That shapes everything else. To say you need a circumcised heart is God's way of saying, and Moses' way of saying, it's not enough to obey God out of duty alone. It's not enough to obey God externally only. It's not enough to only serve God because you have to. You ought to serve God because you want to. 
because you love to. The being of God, the greatness of the being of God, demands a love that can't be the response to a demand. The being of God, the greatness of the being of God, requires a love that cannot just be a response to a requirement. What do you do with your solitude? When you don't have to think of something, when you have nothing to do, when you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs, you're waiting for a bus and the bus doesn't come, what do you, what do you automatically, instinctively love to dream about? Wish for, plan for, what do you most like reading about? What do you most instinctively, automatically love to do? Not because you have to, just because you want to. That's where your heart is. And those things... Those things are the things you set your heart on. But the greatest thing in the world, the greatest thing in the universe, the most beautiful thing, the most worthy thing, the most great thing in the world is what? It's God. But our hearts don't fix on that. What if, however, you got a circumcised heart? What if, however, God came in from the outside and fixed your heart so that the thing you most ought to do was the same thing you most wanted to do and love to do. That's a circumcised heart. That's an astounding thing. That the thing you most want to do, the thing you most is the thing you ought to do, and that's the reason why you've got this, you know, this uh, just John Newton hymn that goes like this that I so often like to quote: "Our pleasure and our duty, though opposite before." Since we have seen his beauty, are joined apart no more. That's a new heart. People with a new heart love and obey God for the beauty and attractiveness of who he is in himself. Psalm 136, verses 1 through 26. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who made the heavens so skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who placed the earth on the water. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights. His faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule the day. His faithful love endures forever. And the moon and stars to rule the night. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who killed the firstborn of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. He brought Israel out of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. He acted with a strong hand and powerful arm. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who parted the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. He let Israel safely through. His faithful love endures forever. But he hurled Pharaoh and his army into the sea. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who led his people through the wilderness.
His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who struck down mighty kings. His faithful love endures forever. He killed powerful kings. His faithful love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, his faithful love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his faithful love endures forever. God gave the land of these kings as an inheritance. His faithful love endures forever. A special possession to his servant Israel. His faithful love endures forever. He remembered our utter weakness. His faithful love endures forever. He saved us from our enemies. His faithful love endures forever. He gives food to every living thing. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. O God, I beg two favors from you before I die. First, help me never to tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, Who is the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name.